0: Greetings, friends, and we'd love to welcome you back to another episode of The Encouraging Word. I'm here with Stephen Young, Director of Youth Ministries at Rocky River United Methodist Church. My name's Paul Bennett, one of the pastors, and uh, we are back with you uh, for our uh, next episode as we continue to trudge through the Old Testament minor prophet uh, account of Habakkuk. Is that how you pronounce it, Stephen? Have we established that by now?
1: i usually say Habakkuk. Habakkuk?
0: Uh, yeah no <laughs> <laughs> did right. you google that <laughs> Do you ever do the, the google translate or google uh, pronunciation no process well yet? i've done
1: it before but not with not with <laughs> <laughs> well uh
0: we're we're going to go with um we'll go with just whatever we say i guess uh, really in my notes we're in chapter 3 now we're at the end of the book and i just shifted to just calling him hab uh <laughs> So, but, uh, it doesn't, it's kind of fun to say the word, even if you pronounce it wrong. So we'll, yeah. so, uh, yes, we are, um, ready to launch into the final episode of this Habakkuk journey and then we'll shift uh, gears and, and, uh, go a different direction next time we're with you, but, uh, thanks for sticking with us and. And uh, launching into this final um, Habakkuk episode with us, we'll uh, do our, our fit segments—those things uh, in the life of Stephen and I that are funny, interesting, or thought-provoking. And, and trust me, friends, uh, at least I speak for myself. It's amazing how few things in our in my life are funny, interesting, and thought-provoking because it does take time to sit back and and think of something. So, uh, but we're we're going to attempt it nonetheless, Stephen. Um, has something not all that really exciting or important to share <laughs> for his, but
1: I'll I'll go ahead and give him a few minutes of air time. Yeah, mine uh mine is Paul's probably just a little jealous cause his team doesn't win anymore. <laughs> but uh mine is the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl, which was exciting and fun to watch. Um, it's their second Super Bowl in four years, so it kinda it kinda felt how a lot of players said in the interviews it's like this legitimizes their Our team and and the quarterback and the coach and all the players it's kind of like when you win two and four years it's um it just really feels like it's we actually have this dynastic team i will not say dynasty yet (laughs) if we can get if we can get a third one within these next two years then maybe uh, with the same combination of players um and actually it's really our future is looking bright in terms of uh Uh, how many we actually have one of the youngest teams in the NFL, which is kind of crazy that we won the Super Bowl. So it's exciting. It's fun. I got to get my uh, um, Super Bowl gear. I'm already lining up the Super Bowl DVD. You know, you got to get all that stuff because, you know, it's only, um, (laughs) you know, it's only a window of time because I feel like as I get older, you see and measure time differently. And I know um, this will be Just a measure of time, because I remember the Patriots were always in Super Bowls, and now that time is kind of passing by. So, just enjoy it while it lasts. So then, um, when it does come to an end, I I wonder about my future of watching football when this is all comes to like Mahomes retires, and which is going to be quite a long time, but probably at least ten years. I wonder, like, am I still going to watch when it's like? When your team was so good for so long, like, why would I want to go back to them not being good again, you know? I don't know.
0: Well, you're so. you're uh, sitting in a room in the city of <laughs> Cleveland, <laughs> uh, <know>. Steven, and <laughs> <Yeah>. probably <laughs> broadcasting to some Browns maybe, fans right. right now that, you right. know, maybe aren't quite sure how to take that thought. Uh,
1: maybe I'll just start cheering for Cleveland and hope, and hope that my... Me cheering for the team can bring good luck to them. It yes. works
0: for there the Chiefs, go. I guess. So, yeah. Who knows? Uh, Who knows? Funny. Yeah. Uh,
1: so, it's, it also, too, it, Paul always finds this funny that I don't watch the game. I, I mean, I follow. So, let me put this way. I follow the text feed of the game, but I'm just a nervous wreck, and I can't watch it until when it's about, I don't know, minute left. It looks like we got the game in hand, and I'm like, turn the TV on. They're out to kick the field goal and win the game. <laughs> so uh yeah but i still i just uh, yeah i i get all caught up and wrapped up into it so yeah, i just know. keep imagining the day when
0: steven meets you know patrick mahomes and tells him how huge of a fan he is and yeah. tells him that you know i i don't watch the game <laughs> I, I, I follow the text feed and i am your greatest <laughs> yeah, fan you know <laughs> that's true it just doesn't have quite the same that's ring to it. Point. Yeah, that's a
1: good point. I am. I am. Uh, I do go back and watch all the, the whole game. So <laughs> it's like it's go. It's like, it's like, <laughs> it's almost like when you know the end of a movie. Like you know, the star is going to succeed. So it's like watching a movie. It's like I know that our team's going to win. You know, I'm just going to enjoy the movie without all the stress of it. Mm-hmm. You know, just enjoy yeah, the yeah. game. Well, it's I'm, fun, I'm so. sure you know the Chiefs appreciate
0: fans that uh, <laughs> not interested in going through the stress of. Even watching Uh, all the things that they're doing on the field. Yeah. But, uh, no, I give you props. Your team is solid. Future looks bright. I was afraid you left that little pregnant pause, and I was waiting for you to use the word dynasty. No. And I was going to, like, click off the mic or (laughs) something. (coughs) Because I don't know if you're quite – but you used it as an adjective instead of a noun, and I suppose that makes it better. Yeah but uh yeah congratulations yeah. and go out and get all that gear. you know those who truly experience a dynasty don't need the gear <laughs> the, the memories <laughs> are good enough because they know another one's coming all you right. know in just the next handful of years. So When's the last
1: time Steelers won 24 2013 it's, so like it's
0: been a minute yeah it's uh you know right, it's 2012 been a few years.
1: So I think they played uh,
0: Arizona yeah. Yeah, I think that was the last one. Um, so we're entering a new era, you know, in Steelers uh, lore as well. And uh, we're revving up our young team, too. So we'll, yeah. we'll see. Maybe the the uh, our two teams will clash on the field <laughs> in a meaningful <laughs> yeah. game in the next couple of years, too. Right. But, um, you know, on to more important things. Um, for my fit, like I said, not a whole lot interesting, apparently, in my life. But I, I did uh, – just the other day, uh, spent some time doing a annual tradition of, of burning the palm leaves for uh, preparation for Ash Wednesday. And this is something I think people are aware of the concept and <coughs> that we do this every year. I, d- I suppose there are probably some churches that buy their ashes for Ash Wednesday, you know, on Amazon or something. Pre-burned. Pre uh, <laughs> Yeah, pre-burned. <laughs> <laughs> but um, just, you know, I, I just truly appreciate the experience, I guess, of, uh, being able to share Palm Sunday, uh, as a church family. And then, um, you know, and then going through the act of, of burning those palms, um, some point leading up to Ash Wednesday, and then knowing on Ash Wednesday that those, uh, those ashes came from those, those palms that we, uh, symbolically laid down, uh, at the cross in in recognition of our sin and our need to turn it over to God. So, the act of burning those palms um, aside from just the fact that i love uh, having a, an excuse to go outside <laughs> and stand by s- a little campfire for <laughs> that's what i was going to say for i bit. think
1: i think you just like the flame of the fire and be able to <laughs> burn it
0: it yeah. is and then smelling like uh, fire for the rest of the day uh, yeah but i which i don't mind whatsoever other people might mind me smelling like that but but uh, this year was unique in that we actually had um, palm leaves for four different congregations represented um, in, the, in the same fire pit, and um, so we, we had an opportunity to, to come together. I was with the, um, other clergy, and, and we got to share that. And, and uh, so it's kind of a neat uh, thought to know that um, when we celebrate Ash Wednesday this year that uh, – there were others. The larger Christian body was really represented in a more powerful way this year as well. So
1: I see it more as a business opportunity <laughs> that we <laughs> could start making money from burning ashes. Burning ashes? Yeah. Yeah. We could we'll sell <laughs> it. <laughs>
0: we'll have to talk to whoever makes a <laughs> church calendar and see if they can make Ash Wednesday
1: like a <laughs> weekly thing. Yeah, you know, there so. you go. Yeah. $2 <laughs> per ash or something like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah that would be a
0: lot. $2 per ash. <laughs> 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 Wow, I, mean,
1: I guess you got to measure in pounds or something. Like yeah, i sure you so would. Yeah, probably not per ash. Yeah, that would yeah, be a lot <laughs> of
0: money. <laughs> I'm sure you know. It's a w- at one point in history, somebody realized you could make money off of communion elements, and so they right. started like yeah, packaging got, them in certain exactly. ways. So yeah, and that's uh, until
1: Jesus <laughs> overturns our ash table. Our ash <laughs> table, yes, <laughs> yes. We're, and we, made, we're marketing off of it, right?
0: Yeah. We so. would deserve it at that point, right. 100%. <laughs> um So, looking forward to sharing Ash Wednesday with you all, and and uh, neat that that uh, backstories in a mix as we do so. So um, on to Habakkuk. We have uh, thus far studied together chapters one and two, and I'll give you a quick overview for those who may not remember, or maybe you're joining us uh, for the first time in this series, and then we'll dive into chapter three. There's only three chapters in Habakkuk's uh, book here, so. Like I said, today is the end of the journey, but let me get you caught up on 1 and 2. Habakkuk is a uh, prophet who served the southern kingdom. Uh, During Israel's history, it had been divided into two kingdoms. The north referred to as Israel, the south as Judah. And uh, the south was much smaller, comprised of two of the 12 tribes. And Habakkuk was the prophet who was speaking God's word to Judah uh, in its final years before it would follow the northern kingdom's path of, of uh, uh, being um, exiled and and essentially destroyed or at least temporarily by an, an invading force. Uh, the northern kingdom had fallen about 120, 140 years before this and uh, the southern kingdom was still hanging on but it didn't look good because the, the kings of the southern kingdom were all godless uh, corrupt men who had lost sight of their identity as the special nation, people of God, um, called to follow him and and be his children. They were worshiping all these false uh, pagan gods instead. And um, also the Babylonians were on the rise uh, in that point in history and were pretty much knocking on the door of Judah, uh, letting them know that uh, their time (laughs) in existence was was not long. So in chapters 1 and 2, we see, Habakkuk starts by uh, coming to God in frustration because he sees uh, Babylon about to come and, and uh, probably uh, overwhelm them uh, and, and achieve military victory over them. And he's frustrated because he sees these Babylonians as a bunch of heathens. They were they were pagans. They were uh, some vile people who had just gone around in very violent ways, uh, uh, conquered and, and taken over other nations and, and destroyed many people groups and, So uh, Habakkuk was upset that God was going to allow this to happen to Judah. um, And uh, he went to God with this frustration, very bluntly, um, starting in in chapter 1. And uh, he didn't want to seemingly take responsibility for the fact that Judah probably deserved to be in this situation because they had turned from God and they were worshiping false gods. Um, but uh, and he also uh, frustrated that God would use Babylon. If, if, his, if Judah has to suffer, uh, maybe so be it. At some place in his mind he might come to accept that, but uh, that God would use Babylon, allow Babylon to be the ones to come and uh, take over, uh, knowing how evil the Babylonians were. Um, Habakkuk really struggled with this, and so he, he laid this out very bluntly to God, and we get to see, uh, unique to this, uh, this prophet's uh, story, we get to see God respond. So we actually hear the words of God spoken through Habakkuk. And uh, right there in the text, as we move into chapter 2, we hear God's response telling Habakkuk that he needs to trust him uh, to wield uh, justice, to know good from evil, and to ensure that uh, <coughs> even if evil uh, people and evil powers are allowed to succeed for a short period, um, that God will ensure that uh, they do experience uh, consequence and, and justice is upheld at some point, uh, <coughs> and essentially promising Habakkuk that the Babylonians, even if they are able to conquer the, the uh, Judeans, that they would eventually uh, see their own demise and um, that uh, Habakkuk needs to trust not only that uh, God would not allow Judah to go through this if they didn't deserve it, if it wasn't uh, just in that regard, and that Babylon would would receive their punishment as well. So this is God's response, and now we come into chapter 3. I'll go ahead and read a uh, portion of it for you, and then we'll start to break that down. Let Stephen jump in with uh, his his thoughts uh, briefly and reading the rest. So we're going to start, um, if you have it open in front of you or you're... you're uh, Bible app would be especially helpful, but I'm going to read the first 10 verses here. Habakkuk's Prayer is how it's uh, titled in my text A Prayer of Habakkuk the Prophet. And then we have this strange word that we'll talk <laughs> about in a bit, uh, the little bit we do know about it, but it says A Prayer of Habakkuk the Prophet on shig- shig-ian- shig-ianoth. Shigi Anath. Shigi?
1: Shigi Anath? <laughs> Shigi How would you? <laughs> Sounds like a dance. <laughs> Sounds like a dance.
0: <laughs> I went to, what was it either Shaggy or? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was combining Shaggy and Ziggy. Yeah. Wasn't there a Ziggy, the Shiggy. comic strip or something? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so. where my Shig-anoth. mind went off. Anyhow, uh, prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shiggy uh, And he goes on to pray Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens, and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand, where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled, and the age-old hills collapsed. His ways are eternal. I saw the tents of Kushan in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, O Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode with your horses and your victorious chariots? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed, torrents of water swept by. The deep roared and lifted its waves on high. So we have a a lot of imagery here, and it's going to take us a couple of different places and and even more as we take in the rest of the chapter. But first, quickly, starting uh, with Shigianoth, uh, I'll go back to that. So the, the little bit that the footnote here in a study in my study Bible, and, and uh, we recommend study Bibles uh, 100% if you're serious about studying God's word uh, because there's just so much additional information that uh, you're not going to be able to surmise without a little help. But uh, Shiggy and not, in, in my study Bible, it suggests it's a, a literary or musical term. And we'll see other evidence as we go through this that uh, this – prayer of Habakkuk um, maybe initially was was recorded as a prayer but it was used as a, a psalm or used in worship kind of as a, um, a word of praise to God um, and so perhaps this term uh, referenced that fact that this was uh, some sort of a musical um, experience or it was in a musical context or it was something related to uh, that fact so we start with that, uh, for whatever that's worth, and then moving into to verse number two. Uh, first thing that jumps out to me, uh, here we have Habakkuk, he's, he's praising God. And he said, I've heard of your fame, I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. So we have uh, drastically changed our tune from where we were at uh, just a chapter ago when Habakkuk had nothing but frustration and anger for God for what he was allowing to happen, um, and uh, he's instead praising God and he's taking a a whole different attitude towards the the punishment that Judah is about to receive, uh, uh, even to the point where he's consenting, uh, that he almost understands, implies that he understands why God has to lay down the law here with his people. It takes tremendous courage, especially knowing that he's going to be in the midst of the suffering that his people are about to experience. So uh, just really incredible that Habakkuk has done a 180 here, and um, i I personally believe that his his relationship with god and this this honest interaction with god was what allowed him to reach that point that he could turn to god and say hey hey you know i, I love you i praise you um all the things i said uh before you know were, were honest um where i was at at the time but uh, you know I'm, I'm ready to trust you and he simply says um in uh, in wrath remember mercy so as he's acknowledging that God needs to bring his wrath upon the people, he's uh, at the same time pleading that God would still have a heart of, of mercy. And then we continue on in verse 3. He starts uh, looking back in into the past and, and Israel's experience as God's holy people. Uh, God came from Taman, the holy one from Mount uh, Paran. So these are uh, locations to the east of Israel, and uh, at least the, the research I did suggests that he's kind of laying out an image of of god in the east rising like the sun and uh shining down upon his people and we see that continue in verse four his splendor was like the sunrise rays flashed from his hand so these are just words of praise for god and and his uh reigning over his people in verse five we start to look at um the past of, of god's provisions for his people Uh, reimagines God's um, defeat of Israel's enemies that uh, he used plagues to uh, defeat their enemies so this is a look back probably on on Egypt and God's defeat of the Egyptians through the the plagues and through Moses Um, we continue on uh, in verse 7 it says I saw the tents of cushion in distress the dwellings of Midian in anguish Uh, These, once again, similar to uh, up in verse 3, these are two different references to really the same area, same general geographic area in in the uh, area of the Midianites. And uh, Midian was an old enemy of Israel that had, uh, in their past, led them into idolatry during Moses' time. There's reference to this in in Numbers, um, also in Deuteronomy, that the the Midianites had been a bad (laughs) influence on the Israelites And uh, we see reference here to the fact that um, God does not allow evil to go unpunished. So uh, referring to the time when God had crushed the the Midianites um, through Joshua. So he's referring, the basic gist is uh, that the people who are evil and uh, corrupt and lead Israel astray will receive justice. So... Almost like Habakkuk is looking back, recognizing God has been just before in the past, so we can expect the same to happen maybe to Babylon. Uh, if God allows them to uh, mistreat the Israelites, they too will receive their due punishment when the time comes. And then in verse 8, he continues uh, referring back to Israel's experience with Egypt and uh, the dividing of the Red Sea, is, I think is the imagery here, at least from the, the uh, reading that I've done. He's talking about how uh, God divided the sea and almost um, speaking of the sea as God's horses, God's army, and it it overwhelmed um, the enemy at the time. And uh, so Habakkuk is looking back on that and one more instance of God overwhelming an enemy of Israel and uh, giving them true justice, showing them true justice by... um, destroying one of their enemies who, who absolutely deserved it and uh let's see rest of verse eight here did you rage against the sea when you rode with your horses and your victorious chariots you uncovered your bow you called for many arrows you split the earth with rivers so these are still just kind of a uh, metaphor of god uh, using nature using the sea and um, almost like god's armor god's weaponry Uh, wielded in in that manner the mountains saw you and writhe torrents of water swept by so the the red sea collapsing back on the egyptians and their army the deep roared and lifted its waves on high so almost uh, even that last phrase the deep um, the the sea itself roared lifted its waves on high like the the sea itself worshiped god in that moment so even as as it was used and wielded as a a weapon against uh, god's enemies So just a really powerful imagery here um, and metaphor about um, the ways that God has provided for the Israelites in the past, protected them, and destroyed their enemies um, when uh, they had been allowed to prevail, even for a time, over his people. And Habakkuk brings all of these things to mind as he's uh, placing his trust in God, that God will do the same thing uh, for them in the future, in this time period, and in the context that they are living through. Uh, right that very moment so that takes us through verse 10 uh Steven, you want to pick it up from there yep
1: <coughs> so i'll read verses 11 through um, the end of the chapter verse 19 sun sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows at the lightning of your flashing spear and wrath you strode through, th- through the earth and in anger your in the ang- and anger your Threshold the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one, you crushed the leader of the land of wickedness, you stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear you pierced his head with his warriors storm when his warriors stormed out to scatter us. Gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding, you trampled the sea with your horses churning the great waters. I heard in my heart I heard and my heart pounded, my lips quivered at the sound, um, decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled, yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us, though the fig tree does not bud uh, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful and god my savior the sovereign lord is my strength he makes my feet like the feet of a deer he enables me to tread on the heights um, for the director of music on my string instruments so um i mean there's a lot here but um i think i'm going to break it down um into three themes that i think this chapter um falls into that we see one of them paul has mentioned several times already is that um, one of the themes is a callback to the exodus um, so there's several verses when you look at just jumping back at the beginning of chapter 3 you look at verse 2 um, it says Lord I am filled with all by your amazing works um, in this time of, your, of our deep need help us again as you did in the years gone by um, so it's a call back to God in Exodus and looking back to what he had done with them in years gone by um, you also look um, at the verse um, verse 8 um, where again it's talking about him spilling the Red Sea and then also he calls back to Joshua um, in verse 11 kind of when the sun and the moon stood still which is just an amazing thing to think about. Um, which happened, um, in Joshua chapter 10. So what's incredible here is what Habakkuk is doing is what also, I think we should model our prayers and how we pray. What we should do is, um, when we are, when we face challenges of uncertainty, um, we know that our Lord and our God has been good to us in the past and that God has saved us and that God has, um, Though he never saves us, maybe he doesn't save us in the way we think we sh- he should or how he should, or, but he's always been there for us. And the past is, throughout scripture, the past is something that God does. He, he calls back. He says, don't you remember? Don't you remember? And then there, throughout the Old Testament, the people are called to make monuments and, and, and pile up stones and stuff to help them to remember what God has done in the past because that can be a real encouragement. Um especially when we face uncertain times. So I think even in our prayers, um, we can thank God for what he's done in the past. And then, and then when we're facing those challenging situations, um, we can use those moments in the past as encouragement, motivation, and for hope. Um, that hope doesn't die. That we know that our Lord is, a, is faithful. Um, and God's faithfulness is something that we can trust. And the second theme you see is that God is a warrior. Um, you see it throughout it's um, like through verses um, kind of throughout the chapter but we see how um, deliver your people, save your anointing one, crush the head of the leader of the wickedness Um, with his own spear you pierce his head Um, my heart pine, my lips quivered at the sound, Decay in the bones he's talking about the invading nation Um, but he's there's a call for God to be this warrior, for his wrath to strode through the earth in verse 12 and, and your anger to thrash um, the nations and again in verse 12. So you see like there's this call for God to be a warrior, which I know it's probably kind of hard to understand in our Western um, ethos, in our Western context, to see God as a warrior because we, <laughs> we do so much in our society to, even though we culturally, we still do watch a lot of, I don't know, Military stuff and crime stuff and, um, but this this idea of God punishing people we have a hard time dealing with. But in the ancient Israel, seeing God as a warrior was a good thing. Um, The God was defending them, and really, in the way our world functions now, we do. I mean, I do stand for defense, (laughs) right? So you do want a God that defends you, a God that uh, conquers evil, a God. Um, I mean, we love films of good versus evil. Many of the best films in our society are, are good versus evil films. Um, I think of like a Star Wars or even Lord of the Rings and um, those even Marvel movies are typically a good versus evil. So we we like that idea of, of a mighty warrior coming to save us. Um, and just like we, like we said, we see those in our films Um, That was also a motif in ancient Israel, to see God as that warrior, mighty warrior, coming um, to save the people from this wicked enemy, which is the Babylonians, coming to destroy them. And then the the final theme, I would say, is the theme of faithfulness. Um, It's kind of like a Job-ish, so verses 16 through 19 it, it kind of feels like job so you see you know how job lost everything and yet he still remained faithful to god even though his wife said curse curse god and die and um job remained faithful he never cursed god so um, we kind of have this in habakkuk where he says even if um the fig does not bud or there's no grapes in the vine the olive crop fails there's no sheep in the pen no cattle in the stalls i will still rejoice in the lord um And still be joyful to God, my Savior. So it's a going back to chapter 2, verse 4, we see that he says, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. So it's you're living by faith um, and trusting God will come through. And that um, even though things may not be going well, almost like the song, it is well with my soul. Um, You know, it's even though I've lost everything, it is still isn't that song based off the the writer lost his family in a shipwreck, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's um, a callback to that. I mean, throughout <laughs> throughout history of, of of following God, there's there's this trend of um, that God is no matter what happens in my life, I will remain faithful to the Lord, and He's been good to me. So, um, and then it ends. Verse nineteen ends like a psalm, you know. The sovereign Lord is my strength; He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, which that's a theme throughout the Psalms. He enables me to tread on the heights. So um, it's just interesting as you be the book begins with Habakkuk questioning God, and then the book ends with Habakkuk worshiping and praising God. Um, so yeah, the th- that third theme is is the faithfulness um, of Habakkuk.
0: Yeah, it's uh, uh, I think the biggest takeaway is to put ourselves in Habakkuk's place here and and see you know of course we don't uh, as much as we'd like to we, we don't sit around caring about whether Babylon succeeded or you know how <laughs> horrible the Midianites were or like <laughs> it's 2023 it's not that's not the main thing on our mind but we can look at Habakkuk's experience and the transformation that he, uh, that he sees throughout this this text and trust that the same is possible for us um that our our attitude our our faith uh can be transformed and follow the formula that he lays out for us and and each of those principles you mentioned are are so huge yeah he continues here in the second half of the chapter just recounting um from from history ways that god has been faithful you know he went from the the uh, plagues to the Red Sea to uh, God to bringing the Israel, Israelites out into the wilderness and then uh, makes reference in verses 12 and 13. Uh, the understanding is he's talking about the conquest of, of Canaan and the promised land and how um, God, you know, threshed through his, uh, his enemies, his people's enemies and gave them uh, the land as their own. And, um, so all of these, these examples of ways God has been faithful to them in the past and remember, as Stephen said, remember, 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 I mean, there are huge chunks of, of scripture all throughout the Bible that are just, (laughs) just, uh, story after story after story of how God has protected his people, uh, throughout their history Um, old testament and new just uh you know chapter after chapter of of remember when i did this remember when i did that you know or or, uh one of the prophets or or apostles recalling what god had done for them in their their nation's history so i think there's a powerful lesson in that for us to, to remember and trust that um not just because god did it in the past but because the fact that he did shows his character and his, his faithfulness to us, uh, so we can lean on that. Even if um, there are, you know, I think our hesitancy in doing that is, is knowing that, well, what about those times when God didn't uh, prevail in the way that I think he should have or God allowed me to go through something difficult? Well, the same was true of the Israelites. They had definitely had some rough uh, patches along the way, um, but for the most part, they could attribute those to either their own shortcomings Or they can look back and see that even if they didn't deserve to suffer in a a particular moment, that God had brought something amazing out of it. So no matter what, looking back on the past and seeing how God has responded or even uh, stepped back and and allowed us to learn something through difficulty is an important uh, principle for us to grow in our faith. So yeah, that takes us through verse 15. And then in 16, and the rest of the way, Um, we see Habakkuk shifting from his past recollections to the present day reality. And, and immediately, you know, we see these, um, these descriptions of how he like is having this physical reaction to the anguish of thinking about what's going to happen here. Um, and it's, it's pretty, uh, striking the way he describes just his own, uh, his heart pounding, his, his lips quivering, Uh, This decay creeping into his bones, his legs trembling, you know, so he is absolutely terrified. There's no way around it. He is terrified about what is going to happen. And he is already grieving the fact that uh, he and his people are going to suffer tremendously because of their sin, their waywardness. Uh, But uh, the rest of the way after verse 16, um, or even starting at the end of 16, yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity come on the nation invading us so he takes some solace to know that uh, god is still just um, not just in allowing them to be punished but also in knowing that god will punish uh, those evil ones that um, will enact justice on them so he he takes some uh, solace in that and then in verse 17 and 18 um, he acknowledges the great destruction that his people and his nation are going to experience and um it's pretty pretty miserable and you think of times like uh when um the the plagues came on egypt you think of the the punishment that god enacted um in egypt in that sense you think of uh when joseph had risen to power in egypt and they went through a great famine and the people suffered greatly you know there are these stretches that god is is working in the midst of but uh, when times times when people genuinely suffer um dramatically and and, uh, Habakkuk is expecting one of these is at their doorstep here in verses 17 and 18 Uh, but like Stephen said kind of shifts to this hint of praise and and trust uh, in verse 19 like a a deer can nimbly make its way around on rocky terrain and high terrain Uh, he's going to kind of weather the storm and uh, trust in God throughout so these uh, verses 17 and 18 just on a personal note um i was uh my dad raises uh listening to I, I think we even called it contemporary i guess it was contemporary christian music <laughs> at the time it just doesn't feel like it anymore because uh because i'm old now but uh uh don francisco is a, an artist from the 60s and 70s and 80s and uh grew up listening to him and he had a, a song that uh actually, word for word, recounted verse uh, 17 here in Habakkuk 3. And as I read it this time around, I, I recognized it, and I realized for the first time after you know, 30 years of listening to the song where those words were drawn from. And it's uh, this description of uh, what the misery that's about to befall uh, the nation of Judah. But the song by Don Francisco is, is called Jesus is the Lord of the Way I Feel, and uh, what he does throughout the song is, is talk about no matter what he faces in life, uh, he's going to find joy in the Lord. He is going to uh, weather those storms. And uh, Jesus is the Lord of the way he feels, not his circumstances. So that's verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. And that's one of those things, man, you know, I... I, I it's hard to even know somebody who who represents that who can who can live that day in and day out true joy in the midst of suffering um but we know it is attainable and we catch glimpses of it here and there and, and that's something i strive for i uh, hope one day to be able to experience um what it's like to have a faith so great that you can you can rest in in um the midst of the storm uh having joy and, and trusting in god despite it so uh just I think all of us can learn from Habakkuk's uh, spiritual journey here throughout this experience and, and strive to have the same level of, I think, authenticity and openness with God about how we feel, our fears, our frustrations. That's how it all started. If, if Habakkuk didn't open up about where he was um, in the beginning, we would not arrive at this point at the end. He would not have grown the way that he did. Um, so i think that's important and and to just truly listen allow god to uh, speak into our struggles into our anger and um just share his, his wisdom and and trust just at the end of the day trust that he's god and we are not and whatever he's doing in the midst of the storm uh is for our, our better good so it's been a, a good journey uh through habakkuk any final
1: thoughts Stephen, uh, to wow us no nothing to wow us but I yeah I agree I think it's been a good journey I think Habakkuk asked really good questions I think it's a, a book that has um some great um verses that you could probably memorize about righteousness the righteous person will live by his faith which is also quoted throughout the new testament um and then I just think of his I also love chapter 2 verse 14 is one of my favorite verses for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea again he's kind of talking about a future a future um which the glory of God fills the earth which is just one of my favorite songs worship songs has has this verse so they're great verses in here things to take away from yes is really great great uh Questions about evil and, and and evil in our society and our world and how God deals with it and, and even though you can almost say God says well in my time I'll deal with evil God doesn't necessarily answer why why evil exists or mm. why he allows it he but he does say he deals with it and but we do get one of the clearest answers when it comes to evil with the cross right so God doesn't sidestep evil God doesn't overlook evil God entered into to the world of evil and suffering and took it all on himself so no one can you can't say that god doesn't care about evil and god uses the evil purposes um for his glory um so um the cross is is a great answer to habakkuk's questions so mm. um but yeah I, it's been been a good book enjoyed it Don't doubt the uh, minor prophets, friends. This was
0: part of the (laughs) journey. (laughs) Uh, I guarantee you, um, I can speak for myself, you know, Habakkuk is not at the top of our reading list. Most of us uh, don't even spend, don't even bother to to, uh, dig into these minor prophets. And and each one has a story unique um, to itself. And we learned that through Habakkuk. There's some powerful concepts and neat historical recollections. Um, So they are well
1: worth your time. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone, and we can't wait to speak to you again in a new series that we are going to (laughs) start brainstorming and planning, Um, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be good, and uh, thank you all again, and hopefully we can see you around the church as well. Thanks.